welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Well, this morning I have a wonderful uh, privilege to share around uh, a story from the Gospel of Mark. So if you've got your Bibles, pull them out. We're going to go to Mark. We're going to put our finger in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 this morning. If you haven't brought your Bible with you, just turn to the Christian next to you and look at theirs. If you're streaming in, you'll see it on the screens in any case. Mark chapter 6. In fact, starting next Sunday... As a church, we're going through the whole Gospel of Mark. How many people appreciated the Gospel of John? We had two people happy about that. We're through 21 days for 21 chapters in the Gospel of John. But coming up, there are 16 chapters of Mark. We're going to do a chapter a week through our life groups. We're going to go through the children's ministry. And when you come on Sundays, my encouragement to you is to come ready. You'll you already have done your homework during the week, so you know what we're going to talk about. We're going to take either a word or a verse or a passage or the whole chapter, and we're going to go through it together as a community. And so what I'm going to do is just give a bit of a, a touch point here from Mark chapter 6 on a theme or two that you might see through Mark's gospel. Are we ready to go together? In the word? Now, I want to actually um, spend some time from verse 45 through to verse 52, but I want to give a bit of a context, a bit of a run-up to that, okay? So just before the passage that we're going to read, which is all about Jesus walking on water, there is a passage where Jesus and his disciples feed a whole lot of people, feed a whole lot of people. It's quite an, it's quite an amazing miracle. I'm going to start reading, if I can, where's from verse 35. It says this, And when it grew late, his disciples came to him, and they said to Jesus, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate, they all ate, they all ate, and they were all satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. That's a lot of people. So you have 5,000 men, not to mention women and children. You've got many thousands of people here. Jesus does this amazing miracle, which we have likely heard or read about before, 
and there is a whole lot of people in need and what happens there is the disciple's solution to fix the neediness is to get rid of the needy people. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, you do something about it. Amen or ouch right now. You do something about it. Jesus says, okay, well, what, 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 what are we talking about here? What do we got? Uh, five loaves, two fish. Jesus then takes it. He blesses it. He prays for it. That's where he looks to the heavens, actually. He thanks the Father. And then we see this multiplication take place in the midst of all these people. Thousands of people. Not just the disciples, but thousands of people. And that sets us up for this scene right here. It says in verse 45, immediately, everyone say that word immediately, immediately, you'll see that word pop up a lot in Mark's gospel, immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. Verse 48 says, And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. For they all saw him, and they were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them, and he said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Father, we thank you for speaking to us. May we hear, have ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Amen. Jesus does this amazing thing. He feeds thousands of people from some bread and some fish. And then there is leftovers. We serve a God of leftovers. He, he, he's abundant. He, he's overflowing. That's the kind of God we serve. We might have just a little, we might have just a lack, but in Jesus' hands. That's why it's so much better to put what you've got in his hands. He'll do so much more with it. So Jesus feeds all these people. And then it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After he did this, he went up on the mountain and he prayed. Then evening came, the boat was out on the sea, he was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully. Jesus does a miracle. He kicks them out. He says, all right, fellas, off you go. I'm going to go off and I'm going to do some prayer time. He goes off to the mountainside and he spends time with his father, ministering to his father, alone with his father. And then he comes down and he sees something from the shoreline. He sees what's going on. We see a storm breaking out. The disciples are in trouble. 
By this time, imagine it's night time, not just night time. The Bible says the fourth watch, which is about three or four in the morning. What time were they sent out? Before evening, right? So there was light. They were sent out on the boat and they were toiling all through the night up until four o'clock. That's a long time. Who sent them out there? Did Jesus not know this was coming? He knew what was going on. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus led his disciples. Jesus led his disciples into adversity. If you can for a moment, let that very statement sink in. Jesus led his disciples into adversity. He knew what was coming and he made them go into a situation which involved a storm and they had they were in a bit of strife. Have you ever felt yourself being led by God into a season and it just ends up in a struggle? And then you think, well, surely I'm doing something wrong. I I must be disobeying or it must be the devil. There are going to be times in your life where God leads you in a path. And it ain't going to be easy. But it's the opportunity for faith to strengthen. Now, sometimes we're just stupid. And our own stupidity gets us into strife. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Don't nudge your partner right now. Sometimes, though, your silly decisions, your choices will get you into the wrong situation. Think about Jonah. Jonah disobeyed God and he went in his own direction. He got a little bit of trouble. That's his fault. But there are going to be times you serve God and do what God calls you to do, e.g. Paul and Silas, and they're thrown into prison. There are going to be times where Jesus leads you into a wilderness experience. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, in fact, says that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. I don't know how your theology is working around about now, but I'm here to tell you we serve a God who is more interested in refining us and deepening our character that we would become like Him than He is about our comfort. So when the opportunity comes and we're led down a season where it's hard, it's tricky, it's, don't just look for the easy option out. Say, Lord, where are you in this process? God led his disciples into adversity. It says, they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them painfully and the wind was against them it's not that they weren't working hard they were working real hard they were rowing all through the night but the wind was against them friends in life we are going to have opposition it's going to happen if we stand in and with Christ there is going to be hostility I flicked on the news this week and I'm seeing what's happening in the rugby league. I'm a bit of a rugby league fan. And you see what's going on with the Manly Sea Eagles. For those that don't know, there is a a push 
where around the world now they are politicizing sport. They'll bring politics, identity politics into sports. Well, there are about seven Christians that play for Manly who are being told they must wear a certain jersey for gay pride. And they're putting the rainbow colors on their shirts and they have to wear them. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. So they call them the Manly Seven because they abstained from playing this last weekend and they actually lost to the Sydney City Roosters 20 to 10. What are you cheering their loss, are you? (laughs) I tell you what you are cheering. You're cheering people standing up for their convictions. Jesus said tough times will come and if you're going to opt out to playing a sports game, so what's that anyway? I tell you what, though, it's got a ripple effect around the world. I read a UK report talking about what's happening in Australia. Christians, when are we going to stand up? Grow a spine. Come on, we can do this. Why? Because God is for us and within us. Adversity will come. And at times, the Lord Jesus himself will lead us into seasons where there's going to be a push, a struggle, a strain, even strife. What time did he come? Three or maybe four in the morning. They're in despair somewhat. They're in trouble. They would have been tired. It's dark all night long. Why didn't Jesus come earlier? Jeez, you could have done all that cool stuff a little bit earlier. Why'd you put us through all that pain? That's too hard. Point number two, Jesus came to them at a very inconvenient time, to them. He will always come in his time. Whose time? We can whinge and we can moan and we complain as much as we want, but Jesus comes at the time he sees most fitting. And you know what's really interesting about this? Let's read, right? It says, uh, and about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Watch this. This is so interesting. It says, man, I love the Bible. It says, he meant to pass by them. (laughs) So so catch this. His disciples, that he told them, you you fellas go on. I'm just going to go and spend some time with the Father. You guys go. At John's account, in John chapter 6, I think it is, John chapter 6, John's account says they're about three to four miles in. They're about halfway through the lake, right? Matthew's account's really interesting as a footnote. Matthew's account in chapter 14, it actually talks about uh, Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water. The same account. It's left out of this account. And what's really interesting, now we're going there, is that, do you know, Mark got, Mark's gospel is written by John Mark, who was a sidekick to Peter. So Peter's informing a lot of what we're reading here in Mark's gospel. For some reason, it doesn't talk about Peter getting up and walking on water. Why is that left out? Did Peter not want that in there? Was he a bit embarrassed? Was he trying to be humble? I don't know. But it's really interesting. So we see a situation where Jesus sees them, and then he's walking up to them, and it says he intended... He was going to pass them by. <laughs> so, hey, fellas. What's up? What's going on here? What was he trying to do? 
Let's read on. It says, he came to them. It says, he meant to pass by them, but when they saw him, Jesus always sees you, but do you see him? He sees you when you're rowing hard all night long. He sees you when you're struggling. He sees you. In fact, he's closer than you realize, but do you see And when you see him, have, have a look at this. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. When Jesus does show up and you do see him, do you recognize that it's him? Because sometimes he's going to show up and you might actually be seeing him in an unexpected way. He might show up where you work, not just on a Sunday morning. I mean, yeah, we all know he rocks up on a Sunday morning because it's what we're expecting. But what if he shows up over the cafe table? What if he shows up when you're talking to the neighbor? What if he shows up when you're walking down the street and you see a homeless person? What if he shows up in the doctor's surgery? What if he shows up in the shopping aisle? Will you recognize him? Will you freak out? At that moment, Jesus responded to both their fear and their cry. In that moment, he responded to that. And it says this. But immediately, he spoke to them. Immediately. There's that word again. Immediately. Take heart. It's I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and, when the, and then the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. Comes up to them. They're freaking out. Fellas, take a chill pill. It's me. I'm here. He gets in the boat. Gets in the boat. I'm in the ocean. It's supposed to rock. He gets in the boat and at that moment, calm. You know, we all have uh, a boat. Our lives are like a boat. And I wonder if at times what we try to do is we create an environment, an atmosphere, a safe space, a recreational space, a vacational space. And we build our lives with a theology that the boat is our destination. But what we don't realize is the boat is just a vehicle for mission. It's not the destination. I'll give you an example. Can you please help me? Um, the boat of life I love. I love the boat.
I'm living Trev Wiseman's life right about now. Now we're cooking with gas. Now we are cooking with gas. Actually, excuse me. Excuse me, Holy Spirit. Can you come back here for a second? Yeah, no, serious. I, I want to play my Xbox while I'm here too. So just at the front there. Yeah. All right. Okay. And while we're at it, hey, let, let, me, let me just... Uh, you know I like my NBA. So, I somehow create a worldview where um, my boat keeps me nice and safe and cozy and I fill it with everything that I need with an ideology that says this boat is a pleasure boat rather than a life raft, rather than a venture to reach out and to save. And I tell you, I'm not against... That's all right. It's material. I'm not opposed to things like savings and insurances, and job security, and all those sorts of things. But why do I spend so much energy and effort make sure that I've got some sort of golden parachute, or soft landing, and security and comfort? Not opposed to those things per se, but why is a disproportionately large amount of my energy and thinking and effort, why is it, why is it, all about making sure that I'm feeling good and I'm safe. When there are people out there drowning, there are people there flailing, asking for help. And while my attention is just here, I'm going to miss out on what's out there. Because the miracle is out there, not in here. The miracles of Jesus walking on the water is out of the boat. I, I want the miraculous. I want to walk on water. Well, I'm not going to walk on water if I don't get out of the boat. And at times he's going to call for us to step out of the boat and walk on water at the command of Jesus. Notice in Matthew 14, Peter needed to hear the command of Jesus. Lord, if you command me, because he knew that Jesus had sovereignty over all things and at the word of Christ, he could do anything, which is why with a faith offering like this, it's about listening intently and loving extravagantly. What is he saying to you? So Jesus led his disciples into adversity. Jesus came to them at a very inconvenient time. But the final point comes out of verse 52. I want to read verse 51 and verse 52. It says this, and he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. They were amazed. You would expect that, but let's read on. They were utterly amazed for they did not 
understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Isn't that interesting? See, we just read before about the bread, the loaves, the fish. They all ate and they were all satisfied. See, the the disciples enjoyed the bread, but they didn't digest it. They tasted, but they didn't process. They'd forgotten. They had not understood. Here's this word, understand about the loaves. It's sunamai, which means to analyze the evidence and come to a conclusion. So they were there. They saw the miracle, but they didn't really process it. They didn't let it percolate within them. It's kind of like this. Um, Excuse me, Mr. Holy Spirit. Can you give me some bread? Isn't he a great Holy Spirit? Less than Holy Spirit. I don't want to be sacrilegious, but I'm a bread guy. I actually like bread. Sometimes I get so excited about just a bit of bread. Don't judge me. I love bread. This is fresh. I need a drink of water now. Eating bread's like this. Experiencing a testimony, listening to a God story, enjoying it, but not letting it have its work in you. Have you ever heard a great God story, a great testimony? Maybe you've walked through something, and you go, wow, that's so good. And then you've just not, you've just not really digested that. You've, you've thought about it here and then you've forgotten about it, which says you haven't really mulled it over. And what had happened was the disciples, it's almost like they'd forgotten about the manna. God had provided manna and they'd forgotten. They'd forgotten. They hadn't really chewed it over. They hadn't mulled it over. They had tasted, but they hadn't processed because it's when we can really see, what is God doing? What does that tell us? The, 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 the loaves and the fish, what does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is, he is the creator that brings about creative miracles. He provides for us. He is sovereign. He is amazing. He is a God of abundance. They had not understood about the loaves. Have you understood about the loaves? Where have been those loaves stories in your life? Where have you experienced them? Have you digested that? Not just eaten from the fruit of it, but allowed to sink in and say, hey, Lord, what what does that tell me about you? What does that tell me about me? What does that tell me about life? Here's an encouragement. To keep telling others about your God stories. What has he done in you? Keep sharing it. This week I was talking with my girls. They are 11, 9 and 6 turning 7 in December. And talking with them, sharing them, sharing with them about this faith offering again and 
to ask God, and how do I hear what God's saying? And, well, what do you feel in your heart? Talk to God about that. And, yeah, but how do I know if I'm hearing him or not? And, oh, but, but I've been saving up, and what do I do with the money? And, 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 and I'm trying to encourage them what the Bible says, that it's God's anyway, that you sow and you'll reap. And it only, it only really hit home for a couple of them when I shared the story, the testimony that Bunny Lim gave last Sunday here in Malaga. And in a nutshell, he shared the story that over two working days, he needed to come up with $14,000 to pay a bill. $14,000 within two working days. Toward the end of the second day, he was still short about $4,000, but he wasn't stressed. He wasn't stressed at all. In fact, when, I remember you sharing, Bunny, when you spoke to Yvonne, I even said, are you worried about it? He goes, no. Well, well, why, is, why was Bunny not stressed about that? Because he'd remembered the loaves. He'd understood the loaves. He'd, he'd understood that God was a provider. He had, he'd been through this before. He knew the nature of God. He knew. And so by the end of the second day, he was short $4,000. And then as I was telling my girls this, girls, have a guess what happened. There was one more transfer that came through from Kalgoorlie. He needed $4,000. Guess how much he had? Hit his bank account, $4,065. It was at that moment where the girl said, (gasps) and they got it. They got it. It was, thank you, your God story, a testimony of God's goodness that you shared that provoked faith in them. And as I'm sharing even with one of them, I said, how much do you feel to give now? And she gave me an amount before, which I was concerned about because it was a lot of money. And then she said, I feel like God say to me, who gave you all of that anyway? Give it all. Ay, ay, ay. Thanks very much, Bunny Lim. That's all your fault. Where has God come through in your life? That moment where you've had faith and belief and trust, where he's taken care of you. Here's my submission, friends. Believe again. Believe again. Come on, believe again. Continue to believe, it says. We read this in John, that they may continue to believe. Trust in him. He's your provider. He's your lover. He's your carer. He's your father. He's your leader. Believe again. Because if we don't, then our hearts can become hardened. That's what happened with the disciples. They were so astounded, they were amazed because their hearts were hardened. It was probably too much of a surprise that they saw Jesus walking on water. If they had known that he sat above creation, they would have gone, oh, of course it's Jesus. Yeah, we know. But their hearts were hardened. So this morning, here's my encouragement. I want to encourage everyone this morning, see this as a representation to cast out the nets again. If we don't venture out in faith and we get too cosy, in the comfort 
of our own life. We're missing out on the opportunity for a great harvest. There is such an incredible harvest, folks. I'm here to tell you, we are living in the end days. And people are looking, they're searching. Not only are they, are, are they hurt and confused, but they're searching and they're longing for the truth. But if all we're doing is we're creating a cocoon of comfort, we're going to miss out on the opportunity to step out. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.